All right, so one day Jesus asked his disciples a very important question. He said this. He said, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And by the way, that's one of the most important, if not the most important question anybody could ever be asked. The question is, was Jesus just a great historical figure? Was he just a great religious leader? Was he just a great prophet or preacher? Or was he something more? And so I love Peter. I love the fact that he would always speak first. And so Peter piped up and he said this. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we say, yay, Peter. Way to go, Peter. You nailed it. Why? Because Jesus of Nazareth really is the Christ, the son of the living God. He really is the Christ. That means anointed one, which refers to the Messiah. He really is the son of the living God. What does that mean? That means that as the son, the eternal son, he has the same being, the same essence, the same nature as God the Father. In the beginning was the Word, Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the truth. There is one God. Please say one God. There is one God, eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Those three persons share the same being, the same essence, the same nature. That's true Christianity. And so Jesus commended Peter for his confession of faith. And Jesus replied this way. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. And I want you to get this. For flesh and blood. He's talking about human beings. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but, please shout out the next two words, my Father who is in heaven. And so Peter's confession of faith about the true identity of Jesus Christ did not come from human beings. It came straight from the heart of God the Father. We call that divine revelation. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what you need to know. Biblical Christianity comes from divine revelation. Everything Every religion outside of biblical Christianity comes from flesh and blood, human beings. Every so-called Christian cult comes from flesh and blood, human beings. But biblical Christianity comes from God. The Lord then said this. He said, you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now it seems to me as if there's a play on words here in the Greek, all right? And so Jesus probably, most likely, was speaking in Aramaic. Now he could have right now uh, changed to Greek if he wanted to. Greek was the language of that day throughout the Roman Empire. He could have spoken Hebrew, uh, but we're pretty sure he's 
teaching in Aramaic. But here's what you need to know. Matthew, when Matthew wrote his gospel, he recorded and translated accurately whatever Jesus said, probably in Aramaic. He translated it into Greek. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to me right now, please say amen. Amen. The inspiration goes to the, not just from Jesus' words, it goes to the graphe, the scriptures. All graphe, all scripture is breathed out by God. Every word of it. And so you are Petros. There's a reason the Holy Spirit led Matthew to write that in the Greek, in the original. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Matthew translated Jesus' statement into Greek using the terms Petros, which means rock or stone, and Petra, which seems to be pointing to something a lot larger than Peter. The reason I say that is because in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew uses that word again uh, as he's recording the Sermon on the Mount. You guys remember how the Sermon on the Mount ended? And so the way it ended is Jesus said this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, on the Petra. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. It had been founded on the Petra. I believe Jesus was inferring something like this. Hey, Peter, for such a small Petros, for such a small stone, you just made a mammoth, a monumental, a massive, boulder, Petra foundation of a statement. Ladies and gentlemen, is the church built on Peter? No. 10,000 times no. If the church was built on Peter, it would have collapsed 2,000 years ago. The church is not built on Peter. The church is built on Peter's confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what the church is built on. That's what this church is built on for 18 and a half years. And by the way, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would concur with this. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul said this, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Peter. Is that what it says? Is that what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11? No, let me read it again correctly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The church is built on Jesus Christ. All right, so what is the church? Well, in the Greek, the word is ekklesia, which means a called out group or assembly. Paul refers to the church in Colossians 1.18 as the body of Christ. And Paul refers to the church in Ephesians chapter five as the bride of Christ. All right, so what is the church? The church is a group and an assembly of called out people who have 
turn to Jesus Christ in genuine repentance and faith, and they have become children of God. They have become the body of Christ, the hands of feet and feet of Jesus on the earth. They have become the bride of Christ. I submit to you that the church is very special. You have the big C church, which is the universal church made up of born-again believers all across the world. And you have the little C church, which are local churches, which are smaller bodies within the universal church. In the New Testament, you have the Gospels, you have Acts, and then what do you have? The epistles, the letters. Most of those letters are written to little C local churches. And so what do we see in the New Testament? We see little c local churches in Jerusalem and in Rome and in Corinth, in Galatia, in Ephesus, in Philippi, in Colossae, in Thessalonica, in Philadelphia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm glad to say today that the church is still alive and well and we see them in cities all across the world, including a little city called Poor St. Lucie, Florida. I praise God for that. I thank God for that. And I want you to, uh, to look again at Jesus' promise here. He said, I will build my church. And I love statements like that, why? Because it gives pastors like me job security. Thank God this is not about Mike Wiggins. Thank God it's not about the millions of other born-again pastors all across the world who are preaching right now. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and his promise. And he said he's gonna do it. And so when you split that, statement in half, you see two revelations. First of all, I will build. That reveals Christ's promise. How many of you guys believe that Christ is a promise keeper and not a promise breaker? Raise your hand, absolutely. So what does that mean? That means he is going to build his church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. I'm so excited, I'm so glad that even though the enemy tried to take out so many churches during COVID, guess what? We're still here, alive and well, and going strong. He said, I will build, and the second revelation here is my church, my church. What does that reveal? That reveals ownership. Ladies and gentlemen, the church belongs to Jesus. Unlike Apple or Microsoft, Verizon or AT&T, Ford or GM, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, even unlike Chick-fil-A, <laughs> the church belongs to Jesus. Well, maybe Chick-fil-A does too. They are so blessed, right? But all kidding aside, since the church, if you're listening here, say amen here. Since the church belongs to Christ, it is the most important institution on the planet. It's true. Whether you agree or not, it is true. But here's the problem. A lot of people have been hurt by church people. And as Dr. Frank Turek said a couple weeks ago, when someone plays Beethoven bad, you don't blame Beethoven. And when someone plays Jesus bad, you don't blame Jesus. It's time for some of you who got church hurt. It's time for some of you who have been offended by church people who've been hurt, stabbed in the back, gossiped about, whatever it might be. It's time for you to forgive and forget and to use that key and let yourself out of that prison and begin to be the church. 
And by the way, the church is not a building. Pardon the bad English, it's all y'all. It's us. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the children of God. That is if you've turned to Jesus Christ in genuine repentance and faith. Do you have that personal relationship with him? Here's another vital question. Why does the church exist? Now for any organization to be successful, they must know their why. Any organization. If it's gonna be successful, they gotta know their why. Those employees, those leaders, they need to know their why. Why they exist. That includes the organization of the church, even though technically the church is not an organization, it is an organism because the church is alive by the Holy Spirit. And so here at Calvary, we know our why. There's no ambiguity, there's no confusion, there's no, no fog. We know our why. We know why we exist. We know why we're here. It's called our mission. And so what is our mission? For those of you in the back who can't see it, I'll read it to you. We exist to help people, I love this, of all ages. How many of you guys believe that the children next door are just as important as, as all the adults right here? 100%. And so we exist to help people of all ages become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. That is why we exist. And so our mission is to follow the Great Commission. Our model, you'll see in a moment, is based on Acts 2.42, it's the early church. And our message, 95% of the time, is the life application, verse by verse, teaching of God's word. We are sold out in this place to expositional teaching and preaching. Now, if someone says, well, what does Calvary PSL base their mission statement on? You should be ready, willing, and able to quickly say the Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. Some people say it's the Great Suggestion. It's not the great suggestion. Jesus was very clear and very forthright and very serious when he gave us the great commission. And so after his death, burial, and resurrection, just prior to his ascension, the risen Christ said this, go therefore and, please shout out the next two words. Now, this is us right here. And so we're gonna try that again. And when I ask you to say make disciples, could you please say it like you mean it? Because here's what you need to know. This is not churchianity. This is Christianity here at Calvary. Churchianity is you come, you sit in a row once a month, you did your duty, you check your religious box. That's not us. All right? And so, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations. And so, as a church, we should be sending people out. But I'm also very happy that Port St. Lucie, Fort Pierce, and the Treasure Coast, seems like all nations are right here in our own backyard, doesn't it? And as I look around, I love the fact that our church mirrors our community, which, by the way, is what heaven's gonna look like, which I love. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's your Trinity. I'm telling you, is 1,000% true. One God, he's a triune God. One God, three persons. 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What are we all about? We're all about making disciples. All right, so what's a disciple? Let's define it. If this is our one word that defines us as a local church, what is a disciple? Well, in the Greek, the original Greek word means a learner, a pupil, all right? But how many of you guys know it's not just, it's not just about head knowledge, <laughs> okay? And so when you read the New Testament, you have to broaden the definition, which is why I'm glad for our friends at gotquestions.org. And so a disciple is a follower, you're not just learning facts. No, you're following. It goes from your, your uh, head to your heart to your feet. A disciple is a follower, someone who adheres completely to the teachings of another, making them his or her rule of life and conduct. And so a disciple is a follower of Christ, not just for a little while, but for the rest of their lives. And ladies and gentlemen, I would be absolutely remiss if I did not even broaden that definition more and add 2 Timothy 2.2 to the bottom of your screen. Why? Because here, here's what you need to know. As you are growing in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, at some point, as a disciple, you need to make other disciples. You need to pour in other people. You need to teach others. That is your responsibility. And one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account of our lives as born again Christians. How are we gonna get there? We get there one way and one way, one way only because we have turned to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, trusting him as the Savior and Lord of our lives, understanding that he died to pay the death penalty for our sins, and he rose again. And so we've received him, we've become born again, right? That's how you get to heaven, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from meritorious works. But you gotta understand this. As Christians, we're gonna stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we're gonna give an account of our lives. We're gonna give an account of our works. We're gonna give an account of how well we obeyed the Great Commission. We're gonna give an account of whether or not we were true disciples. And a true disciple it's not just head knowledge. A true disciple lets it go down to his or her heart, to his or her feet, and at some point, you can't program this. It's gotta be something the Holy Spirit leads, but as you're growing at some point, man, you got to start pouring into others. You say, where are you getting all this from? 2 Timothy 2, 2, Paul, writing to his protege, Timothy, said this, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful Men, the word men in the Greek is anthropos. It's men and women. So let me say that again so I include everybody. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men and women, here it is, if you're listening, say amen here, who will be able to teach others also. Did you hear the thunk? That was the ball, it just bounced in your court. Because you're responsible. I'm not the only one who's supposed to be teaching. The pastors are not the only one who's supposed to be teaching. The elders and pastors are not the only ones who are supposed to be teaching. And I'll, I'll tie all this together at the end and show you your opportunity here in just a moment. But making disciples is what our church and all of our ministries are all about 
including our school, Calvary Christian Academy. And so when you go to our school's website, which I encourage you to do at some point, and you go to their page, our mission page, here's what you're gonna see. Teaching students to be like Jesus. At CCA, our mission is to create and maintain for you, our parent partner, a Christ-centered educational environment that provides an excellent education within a biblical worldview. How many of you guys know that now more than ever, our young people need a biblical worldview? My goodness. Moms and dads, come on. Don't let the culture just take your kids away. I heard Dr. Frank Turek say this week that 75% of students who go away to college walk away from their faith. Their faith, right? Because they never really owned it to begin with. It goes on to say, I love this, the Great Commission is at the very heart of all we do as a fellowship of believers committed to quality Christian education. That excites me. By the way, this past Thursday was our first day of school. And I love the fact that our church staff got up early and we went across the street and we welcomed all the kids back to their first day. We had so much fun. Uh, I saw one little girl crying, but everybody else was happy. And we, we, had, we had some crazy clothes on and we just had a great, great time cheering the students as they got out of the car, giving them high fives as they walked into school that day. As we kick off our third year, you gotta know that right now we are a K through ninth grade Christian Academy. That's so exciting to me. K through nine, listen to this, with 310 students. So that's exciting. So we had 100, year one, we had 100. Started right in the middle of COVID. How many of you guys know God is faithful, <laughs> right? And then year two, we had about 225-ish or so. And then now in three, year, year three, we got 310 students and we believe the Lord wants us to keep moving forward. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna every year keep adding, uh, multiplying lower grades while adding another higher grade. What do you mean by that? Well, right now we're at K through ninth, right? And so right now we have two kindergarten, we have two first, we have two second, and one third. All right, so next year, 2023-24 school year, we're gonna have two third grades and we're gonna add a 10th grade. And then the year after that, we're gonna have two fourth grades and we're gonna add an 11th grade. And then after that, Lord willing, if he hasn't come back yet, we're going to add another fifth grade, we're gonna have two fifth grades and we're gonna add a 12th grade, K through 12th, and we're excited about that. Now listen to me, please listen to me. Some of you may be thinking, why in the world are you doing that? Here's why. Because we are driven by our mission to help people of all ages become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ, not just a few days a week, but seven days a week. 
I refuse to give in to spiritual apathy. I refuse to give in to the mindset of us four and no more. I refuse, right, to just do life and just do church as it makes sense on a piece of paper. No, we have a God who created the universe ex nihilo out of nothing. And if he can do that, he can sure enough build a church and build a school and build all the ministries and help a lot of people become followers of Christ. And so before I talk about our model, I want to encourage you guys, please give regularly to Calvary. And so, you, could, you know, go to our website, click on give. And here's my encouragement to you, give regularly to the church. And so if you go to that site, click on give, you'll see there's a general church fund, a general fund for the church. I ask you to please give your regular offering there to the church, why? Because here on the church side, here's the practical reasons. We have regular bills. (laughs) We got regular staff to pay here on the church side. We have regular ministry to do. We have regular mission organizations that we give to monthly. So I wanna encourage you, if you're not giving regularly, to do that. Then above your regular offering, between you and the Holy Spirit, if God is leading you to do it, you can give uh, to the school, but just know January is coming, and January is what I'm very excited to announce. Uh, We are going to kick off our phase two fundraiser in January. The school's growing, so we gotta keep building buildings. And so what are we gonna do? Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. Right now we have that beautiful building, that was phase one. We're gonna build phase two in between phase one and the sports court. Another beautiful two-story building as we continue to grow, one step at a time. So January's coming, I'm gonna stand up here, just so you know, I'm telling you, months in advance, we're gonna kick off phase two fundraiser. But in the meantime, if you'd like to, above your regular offering, give to the school, that's between you and the Lord. You know, um, I sometimes don't like talking about money, but God made me, for whatever reason, the lead pastor of this church, and every once in a while, I need to bring it up, and I need to remind everybody, we're in this together. And so, the best model I can find of a church that made disciples is the early church in Acts. And so you need to know, bottom middle box, that our model here is the early church, the early church. On the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached the gospel, I love this, man, was the Holy Spirit moving. 3,000 people got saved. After they got saved, they followed the Lord in baptism, water baptism. And all of a sudden in Jerusalem, you have this massive church numbering in the thousands. All right, so what did they do? Acts 2.42 tells us. And so the Great Commission, that's our primary verse here at Calvary Port St. Lucie. But this is verse number two when it comes to ecclesiology. That just means uh, um, the study of the church. This is what we're all about right here. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. So they were devoted, they weren't apathetic, they were devoted to four things. The apostles' teaching, explain it in a moment. Fellowship, I'll explain it in a moment, and I don't have time to get to this, but breaking of bread, that most likely means communion. 
So we'd love to see you at the first Thursday of every month. And then the prayers. Why is it so important that we're praying, praying, praying? Here's why. It's because prayer is the fuel for the vehicle of the church. It's what causes us to supernaturally go forward in the power of God. So first of all, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And so Jesus personally taught the 12. You know this. For the better part of about three years, he poured himself into these 12. One of them was never a believer to begin with, uh, Judas. That's another sermon for another time. Okay, and so then later, after Judas's death, what did the risen Christ do? He, he personally taught Paul, the apostle Paul. You can read about this later in Galatians chapter one. But we, we believe that Jesus personally taught Paul, according to Galatians 1, um, in Arabia. What is that? Saudi Arabia? No. When he was living in Damascus, it was right outside of Damascus, is that wilderness area right there. If you don't know anything about what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the verse-by-verse teaching through, the, um, through Acts of the Apostles. And so, listen to this. Very important you hear this. Originally... The apostles alone were qualified to teach others. Why? Because they got it from the mouth of Christ. They got biblical Christianity from the mouth of Christ. And man, did they ever teach. Now, they took 2 Timothy 2 2, they taught others. And so we are so blown away, grateful. Thank you, God. We have attitudes of gratitude that they wrote down their teachings. The, uh, the teachings of the apostles and their associates were written down. We call it the, the, the 27 books of the New Testament. And so, question, where can we find the teachings of Jesus and his apostles? Answer, the New Testament. Question, how much of the Bible is inspired? Answer, not just the 27 books of the New Testament, but also the 39 books of the Old Testament. All 66 books have been breathed out by God in the original manuscripts. Therefore, they are inerrant, infallible, and authoritative in our lives. And you'll never, ever fully understand the New Testament unless you get back to that Old Testament and you learn it. Takes work, I know. But your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, they were devoted to fellowship, koinonia, partnership, community. You say, where do you see that? Well, as you continue to read Acts chapter two, you get down to verse 46, and what you find out is that this early church, they got together, they were massive, right? But they got together in small groups in homes. That's Acts chapter two, verse 46. And so we believe, because that church is our model, we believe with all our hearts that as followers of Jesus, we don't just grow in a row, we grow in circles. Or should I say, as followers of Jesus, we don't just grow in a row, we grow in groves. How many of you guys have ever seen a California redwood tree? Right, they're absolutely Massive. The Guinness Book of World Records tells us the tallest tree in the world is called the Hyperion. Now, the, the, the largest tree um, in the world, volume-wise, is called the General Sherman, but 
the tallest, the tallest tree in the entire world. It's here in the United States, in California. It's called the Hyperion. It's located in the Redwood National Park. This tree stands 380 feet tall, has a diameter of over 16 feet, weighs 230 tons, and is approximately six to 800 years old. It's crazy. Now, while the average age of a redwood is five to 700 years, some redwoods live over 2,000 years. And so there's some trees in America, some redwood trees in California, that have been around since the time Jesus walked on the earth. Now, even though these redwoods are very tall and heavy, they rarely fall over. And some people say, why? It must be because they have such a deep root system. That must be why. No. Actually, redwoods don't have a deep root system for their immense size. Their roots um, only go down about 6 to 12 feet. Now, think about this with me. Over 300 feet tall, but a root system that just goes down 6 or 12 feet? It's crazy. So how in the world can trees that are so tall and so heavy stand so strong for so long? It's because, ladies and gentlemen, they grow in groves and they, their roots are interconnected. The strength of a single redwood does not lie in itself. The strength of a single redwood comes from interlocking its roots with other redwoods. When you consider... When you consider what's going on beneath the surface, these trees are literally holding up one another. Therefore, when storms come and high winds blow, guess what? They stand strong. It's as if the redwoods are shouting to the church, be like us. And it's as if they're shouting to the storm if they could talk. Hey, if you try to knock down one of us, you're gonna have to knock down all of us. I love that. And so the lesson that we learn from the Redwoods is very, very simple. Just as they grow together and rely on each other so that they can continue to stand strong after the storms hit, so we, like the Redwoods, we should grow together. We should rely on one another because it's not if, it's when the storms of life come. It's when the difficulty, the heartache comes that, man, we had better be interlocking roots because we're gonna be able to stand strong in community. Is this making sense to you guys? I had two widows yesterday. Um, one of which uh, publicly testified, the other testified to me personally. But listen, they give credit to their small group. They're devastated, they're hurting. They were married for years and years. And their soulmate is in heaven. Our, both of them are in heaven. But they both gave te public testimony. The, the reason they're making it through is because of their small group. Ladies and gentlemen, we need each other. We need community. Stop with the Lone Ranger stuff. Even Lone Ranger had Tonto, okay? <laughs> and he needed more than Tonto. And so we need community, and that is what discipleship environments are all about. 
And so at this time, I thought it'd be very appropriate to hand the service over to our discipleship pastor, and that's Pastor Andrew Webb. You guys go ahead and welcome him onto the platform. Hey, so isn't that incredible to think about? You look at that picture of those redwood trees, right? And just the community that we, we all need this. We all crave this. It's so significant, so important. So we want to remember this. What is our mission here at Calvary PSL? It's helping people of all ages become what? lifelong followers of Christ. On a mission, this is, this is why we get out of bed in the morning. This is why we do what we do. We all need a mission. It's what drives everything we do here. And so as you heard tonight from Pastor Mike, whether it be the school, whether it be what we do here seven days a week, whether it be family night, whatever, the CCA, it all goes through that lens, that mission making lifelong followers of Christ. And so I hope as your head hits the pillow tonight, as you're thinking about the, the, the time tonight, this gathering, how great it was, what the Lord's doing, you think to yourself, Lord, how can I live out this mission of making lifelong followers of Christ? Hopefully you don't think about how Pastor Andrew came out a little bit late. Hopefully you think about the fact that we are all about making lifelong followers of Christ. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna invite a few of my friends, a few of our discipleship leaders here at Calvary, to come out and share their heart about how this mission has impacted them and how God has used them to impact others as lifelong followers of Christ. So discipleship leaders, come on out. Let's give it up for them as they come out. You guys, we'll do high fives. Hello, hello, hello. Good to see you guys. All right, so these are four of just some of our discipleship leaders here at Calvary PSL. So you may not know this, but we have some around 75 discipleship environments here at Calvary. We have over 100 discipleship leaders and co-leaders combined here at Calvary who are in the trenches helping make lifelong followers of Christ. And so I've asked these wonderful people to come up and in a moment they're gonna share, uh, they're introduce themselves and what their group is, is all about. And then we're gonna just hear a little bit from them as far as this mission and what it looks like for them in their world. And so guys, I'm gonna pass this microphone over to you. And our first question that we wanna ask you tonight is why be a discipleship leader? Of anything you could do, why be a discipleship leader? So um, my name is Jeannie Holzmacher and um, I serve in Grief Share with my husband George. Yes. And uh, why, why, do I become a, why did I become a discipleship yeah. leader? Well, it really is just one word, and that's obedience. And I think mm -hmm. Pastor Mike covered that tonight with the Great Commission. And, I mean, we as Christians, if you've, logged, if you've walked through, you know, with Christ a long time or a short time, you've been, had received a lot of blessings, a lot of joys, but you've also received some tragedies, maybe some heartaches, some trials along the way. And he's grown us, and by doing that, we need to share that because other people poured into us. Yeah. So, Amen. Thank you, Jeannie. Did you hear what she said too about other people poured into us? What Pastor Mike was sharing earlier were disciples who are making disciples. We're continuing this. And Jeannie said, "Hey, we've been poured into. We want to pour into others." So, this, thank you, Jeannie. Yes. Okay. Why be a discipleship leader? Oh, I'm George Holzmacher. Um, this is my wife, Jeannie. Yeah. And we do grief share. Um, why be a discipleship leader? Um, yeah. Um, 
No, we came to this church about a year and a half ago, and yeah. right away we wanted to plug into a, a group, yeah. a life group, and we couldn't find one for couples. I thought, mm. oh, it'd be nice to find a couples group. Yeah. And we searched around, and there was none. So we said, hey, let's go ahead and start a group for just couples, you know, so we could learn more about you know, sub wives submitting to the husbands and, <laughs> and husbands obeying their wives, you know. So, and we found none, and we wanted to start one. And then one of the pastors came and tap, 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 tapped us on the shoulder and said, we have a need, and we'd like you to fill this need. And right away we just said, oh, yeah, yes, yeah. we'll do it. Mm. And then he said, okay, it's going to be grief share. And we went, yeah, what's grief share? We didn't, <laughs> we didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Um, what grief share is um, a group of people that have had a loss uh, or a death to someone they love. And they come and join in our group. Yeah, yeah, amen. Thank you, George. And so, George and Jeannie, Wednesday night start. You've heard about us talk about family night, and we've got grief share, and we'll talk more about um, some of our other classes, too, here in a, in a second. Um, but again, in the trenches, we all have those needs. We all have those things going on, and our classes are to serve us by how do we infuse the gospel into everyday life. And so, George and Jeannie are in the trenches with those who have lost loved ones, and how can we be a part of this, infusing the gospel into life? That's what we want to see in all of our discipleship environments. So, praising God that you got tapped on the shoulder you too definitely and you sir can introduce yourself um my name is Hector uh I have the privilege of uh being in a discipleship group um it's strictly men trying to learn how to live uh life as godly men which is very different from worldly men there's yeah. a big contradiction there yeah. so um yeah. uh the truth is based on the question I still haven't figured out why, you know, I'm a discipleship leader. The truth is, is I, I tried to run from it. Um, but the honesty is, is the, when I got into the discipleship environment and I started to learn more about Christ, you know, his characteristics, his attributes, his desires, those things gave me a responsibility. There's actually a, a scripture because the truth is I don't make things up. Whatever God says that's what I believe. Yeah, so amen. Luke 12, 48 says, to whom much is given, much is required. If you guys know where I come from, then you will see that God gave me a lot. So there's a lot <laughs> that I still owe him. And this is just me trying to share some of that back. And wow. I don't know how it's happened, but... Um, he does it all. I just have to show up. Amen. And he does it all. Love it. Hector, thank, thank you for sharing. Yeah, give it up for them too. Awesome. Are you already seeing a common theme, right? God has given us so much. He's given us his gospel. He's poured into us. He's invested us. Others have invested in us. Let's keep that going, right? Let's pay it forward. Let's invest in others. Disciples making disciples. So thank you. And can you introduce yourself for us, please? Yes. Hi, my name is Harmony, and I lead an all-women's group right now. It actually started out as open to all um, people in most ages, but... The more I prayed, the more it turned into just a women's group. And it was for, it began with Bible study, learning how to learn the Bible, interpret the Bible, and apply the Bible as we go through life. Yeah. Yeah. But now we'll be working on um, building our relationships with Christ. Yeah. Yeah, so. Amen. Thank you, Harmony. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Should I answer the question? That was the great. The question was why? Yeah, why? <laughs> sorry. 
Um, so if I may be transparent, I was it. asked to do it by my group leader, Pastor Andrew. <laughs> and um, the reason I felt it, everything I do, I try to do according to God's will. And I really try to be obedient, like Miss Jeannie said. And I noticed that the more I'm more obedient, when I'm doing something for the church or when I'm doing something for other Christ you know, followers, when I'm doing something that could open a door for someone else. And so it's important to be a leader, to be able to give someone else that opportunity to grow in Christ as well. Amen. Thank you for sharing, Harmony. Awesome. This is great. And it's such a joy to see someone in your discipleship environment who's just like, yes, I want to lead. God is calling me to lead and getting to be a part of that, that journey. So thank you, Harmony, for sharing. So next question for you guys. And Hector, I'll, I'll start with you. What's the best part about, or one of the best parts about being in a discipleship environment? Um, I just speak from my personal experience. So um, the best part for me is actually learning from others. Um, People make fun of me. I'm a copy and paste type of guy. I see something that looks good, that works. I copy it and I paste it into my life. Yeah. And the truth is, is when you have godly men around you, um, when you have guys that are fit, uh, faithfulness to the things that, you know, God calls us to do, it, it's easy to do those things. But in those group settings, you hear testimonies. You'll be surprised how God will bring people around you like people that struggle with the same things you struggle with. Mm. And now you'll be like, oh man, I thought it was impossible to get over this, this thing that I'm going through that I can't really shake off. Yeah. And now you have somebody in the group that's telling you how he did it. Mm. And now you're like, oh, okay. Well, if yeah. he did it, then we can do it as well. The truth yeah. is, is the power's in Christ and in the yeah. Holy Spirit. And Amen. when we allow him to do the work, it becomes a lot much easier. Man, so good. Awesome, man. I love it. Harmony, what's, what's one of the best things about being in a discipleship environment? Thank you. Um, I would say the best part is honestly, well, there's two. The first part is being able to be in an environment with like-minded people. Um, like Hector was saying, when you go out in the world and you're working with people or maybe you're just having a good time, just, you know, when your day-to-day -day activities... You don't get to talk about Christ as much. You know, you don't get to be open and transparent. And I really love that in a discipleship environment, I get to be who I am in Christ. I get to show my true identity, talk about him freely, and associate him with everything that happens in life. You might go outside and you might pick up a $20 and somebody might call that luck. In a discipleship <laughs> environment, you can call it for what it is, which is a blessing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's one. The second part, the second best part, is opening that door for other people. Honestly, I think we all may have experience where it gets pretty scary trying to open yourself up to people yeah. or to mm -hmm. learn how to grow in Christ. And I've seen so many of the women in my group come in like, I'm not sure about this, you know, or yeah. maybe like, well, I'm just trying to be obedient, you know, and they come in and now we've all grown so close in Christ that they're all like walking full lives. Not that they weren't before, but now they're just open and we're all like talking about Christ all the time. Yeah. So. Amen. Thank you, Harmony. Thank you for sharing. George and Jeannie, same question. What's, what's one of the best things about being in a discipleship environment? Well, I think for George and I, because we're in grief share, um, it's been, it's the whole point is you're going from mourning, sorrow, to joy. Mm. And to see the group 
within a short time, 13 weeks is all our, our class meets each semester, and to see really broken, sad, I mean like crushed people, they come in, and then the Lord just does something amazing, yeah. just transforms them. And I think that that to see that, and we're all the same, we're all grieving, we're all gone through it. Mm. And so to mm. be able to share it together in a safe place, yeah. be able to mourn and grieve, and then to experience the joy that he's given us. Yeah. Amen. Oh, George, same thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a unique group. It's not always uh, people from the church either. It's yeah. A lot of times it could be someone who is lost and they're like a captive audience. They come to the grief share because they've lost someone. They're not going to hug them uh, for Thanksgiving. They're not going to be with them for Christmas. Yeah. They're uh, totally, <laughs> totally vulnerable. But the best part I like, I, the best part of this is when we plant the seed of the gospel on the soil yeah. of their heart yeah. and it takes root. Yeah. That is, that is, that puts the Air in my balloon. That's just beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Amen. Or if they're a believer, the roots, the roots dig down deep, yeah. and then they flourish, and then they produce fruit themselves. That's the best part. Of yes. This the best part of this. Amen, George. Thank you for sharing. So, again, you guys hear these common threads, right? That are in this. Right? It's a safe place, right? Where you get to you get to open up, you get to share, you get to grow, and then you get to invite other people in to help them grow, help them get to experience the gospel. Remember, this is all about our mission, making lifelong followers of Christ. This is not about a program, right? Or something to check off the box. We are all about helping others be lifelong followers of Christ. And we do believe sincerely that that happens beautifully through this vehicle of our discipleship environments, of our groups and classes. So I really hope, um, as, we, as we go into this last question here, I hope you're thinking to yourself, how am I living out this mission of being a lifelong follower of Christ? What does this look like for me as a parent, as a spouse, as an employee, as a part of the church body at Calvary PSL? Because we can't do what we do without you, right? 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 tells us that you play an integral part in this church. It wouldn't be the same without you. So how am I living out our mission of making lifelong followers of Christ? But isn't this great? This has been wonderful. So last question I have for you guys is, is this. What would you say, you know, you're, you're, you're surrounded here by three to 400 closest friends. Um, what would you say to them, those who are maybe on the fence about getting involved in this discipleship environment stuff, you know, getting in a group, getting in class, and they're like, I don't know, guys, I'm kind of on the fence here. What, what would you say to somebody like that, Harmony? I'd say, um, take the leading. It's yeah. a blessing to be led by Christ. It's a, ble a blessing to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if you have a sense somewhere in your spirit or in your heart that God is calling you to do it, to take it because it's not everyone who gets the opportunity to sense that, to feel that, to walk in that. Yeah. And then when you do, you never know what you might open to. Awesome, love it, Harmony, great stuff. Hector, let's, let's hear from, I, I wanna hear from you. I thought, yes. I thought we were gonna skip this. Let's, let's hear from you, my friend. <laughs> um, the honest truth, I would say, don't be afraid. 
But the mm. truth is, um, that's my reality because I was afraid. Yeah. So if you're not that person that's not afraid, I would say don't rob yourself. Mm. Because the honest truth is um, in these groups is where you see God start to move and develop. And I would say this, and just again, bringing God's word into it so you can know there's value there. Okay? Jeremiah 29, 11. We all know that. Yeah. For, for God has plans for us, yeah, declares the Lord. Yes. You know, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, yeah. but to give us hope, a future. Some, some uh, translations say an expected end. Mm -hmm. Where you come from, I, where I come from, there was no hope. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't see no future. You know, my expected end was um, below the ground or behind bars. Yeah. So when I understand now where I stand now, how Christ has moved, you know, almost like breaking through the crowd to get me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's just one of those things. And now I understand he has a plan. Yeah. So whatever his plan is, I just line up. Like I said before, I show up and he does the work. So love it. It's awesome. Easy. Thank you, Hector. Awesome. Awesome. George and Jeannie. Same thing to you guys. What, what do you say to people who are on the fence about this whole discipleship environment thing? I was reading Galatians chapter 5 where Paul is getting after the Galatians. Yeah. And he's saying, well, what are you doing wearing that yoke of slavery, which is sin? You're not obligated to the law. And then he gives them a charge. He says, you were not you were called for freedom. Only do not use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Yeah. Mm. And that's the charge. Mm. That's, that's yeah. why yeah. I ask you, ask you to get involved. Because we're doing this for the Christ, the Son of the living God. There you go. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And I think finally, uh, as far as if you're on the fence of whether the Lord you think he's leading you to be a, a group leader or um, possibly just joining a group, um, I hate to say it, but you're missing out if you don't do it. <laughs> just do it. And you'll just see the growth not only in you, but the people that you pour into. And yeah. um, he's good about that. Amen. Awesome. Well, guys, as, as our leaders um, go off stage, give a round of applause. Just thank you guys so much. Thank you, guys. Oh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Hector. Awesome. Well, remember, our mission here at Calvary PSL, right? Making lifelong followers of Christ. A mission is why you get out of bed in the morning. It's what keeps you going. It's why we do life. And we have the best mission of all, right? Making lifelong followers of Christ. And so maybe you are sitting here and you're going, you know what? I'm interested in getting involved in that. I do want to get into a discipleship environment. Well, now is the perfect time to be asking about that. Because for the next two weekends, we have Discipleship Connect. Discipleship Connect is going to be after each gathering time for the next two weekends in our foyer. There will be tables there with discipleship leaders eager and ready to meet you, to talk with you, to answer any questions you have, and just for you to say, Lord, what discipleship environment might you have for me to grow in? 
What, what group of redwood trees, right, do you have for me to grow and strengthen in and continue that mission of making lifelong followers of you? So again, it's the next two weekends. And you know, maybe you're just super eager and you wanna know more about those groups. We got QR codes on uh, the screens here and you can take a picture of that and it'll show you the list of our open groups and classes. Or you can go to calvarypsl.com slash discipleship and click on join a discipleship environment. You'll see that list. It's available now for signups as well. That's the next two weekends. And can I just encourage you with this? This week, could you just pray, Lord, what do you want for me? Because again, what we, do, what we don't want for you is just get involved in another program, right? Or check something off, else off the list. We want God's good, pleasing, and perfect will to be done in your life as a follower of Jesus, as a spouse, as a parent, as an employee, as just a follower of him, we want his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So would you be praying going into this time? And again, we're doing two weekends in a row because it's just really, we wanna make sure to give you as much of an opportunity as possible. As Pastor Mike shared on Wednesday, September 7th, our family night is kicking off and we have classes there. So George and Jeannie's class, Grief Share, is there for you. We also have parenting class. We have marriage class, divorce care, Financial Peace University, and Start to Follow, which is our class for new or newer believers. And so we wanna encourage you again, get involved. Um, but things like family night, things like CCA, all that we're doing seven days a week, the point is, we are passionate, whether you're zero or 172 years old, we're passionate about helping you as a lifelong follower of Christ. And so church family, we love you. We're thankful for you. We're excited for what God is doing in your life. We couldn't do this without you. We're all in this together. So hey, before I call Marielle out, she's gonna come out in a moment. And as I invite her out, as we go off, can you just, if you believe in this mission, in this model, in this message, if you believe in making lifelong followers of Christ, can you let the Lord know by just giving him praise right now?